Okay. Okay. Um, I can't think of any jokes. Sometimes uh, I think we should just. Shame. Sometimes I think we should just open the the show with the song. Yeah. And do it because we say what we're doing like the very second after we start You're the show right. again anyway. Because I never have an actual joke to say before the song kicks in. It's true. Oh well. Is that gonna is that gonna be too uh, disorienting for people? Maybe. If we start an episode with just the song. I don't know. And they don't know what they're listening to. They think, oh, I must have actually turned on the the file of Outside in the Rain that I own because I downloaded it off of Bandcamp.com for for my own price. Clearly. Welcome to Ruin My Life, a podcast about forcing your friends to like, or at least consider, <laughs> the things that you like. I'm Jason Edwards. I'm Kelsey Goldman. And we've got a very special episode today. Is Don't it? we, Kelsey? Is it? Well, it's an episode that's it's, it's going to be a fun It's going to be a fun episode. I think it's going to be a fun, quick. It's either going to be very short, or I'm going to start talking and never stop. Um, Yeah. It's a music episode where Jason is introducing new music, so Jason's going to talk a lot, and that's okay, and I want him to. I just want to put that out there. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> affirming that before I get my opinions all over this. Well, yeah, and people call you out for, like, not letting me talk. I'm letting him talk. It's fine. Thank you, Kelsey. You're welcome. All right, so everyone just sit back and get ready to talk about <laughs> Mike Posner. Ugh. That's right. Michael Robert Henrian Posner. Henrian? Henrian? I don't know how to say that. How it, do you spell it? Uh, like hen, like a like a female chicken. Yeah. Ryan, like Ryan Johnson, but with an O instead of an A. So R Y O N. R I O N. H E N R I O N. Henrian seems right. Henrian. Hen Henrian. Henrian sounds like a 1940s superhero. No, Henrian sounds like a Greek hero. This guy's got like four names inside of his name. <laughs> Robert Henry, and that's a whole different guy. Right? That's like a sci-fi author. Yes. Michael Robert. That's, that's like your boss. Yep. Or like your dad's boss. Yep. So Mike Posner. But Henry and Posner. Henry and Posner. <laughs> Henry and Posner is like maybe like a romantic poet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Do that or it's someone like in a in a scene in like a, a dumb movie where someone's trying to figure out their fake name by looking around the room yeah and they see like a picture hen, of a hen, hen and they see like an ironing board <laughs> and they see like a man posing yes my name's hen ryan posner <laughs> anyway anyway mike posner <laughs> is an american singer songwriter record producer poet yeah is that, he is he really any of those things that's that's a good question <laughs> the poet thing by the way is not a joke even though it sounds like a joke i would make about mike posner i almost didn't want to mention it in, up top here because it's so distracting but we'll touch on it later don't worry <laughs> we will address mike posner's poetry later he's 30 years old he was born in detroit he is friends with big sean sure that's always you know that's good it's good to have friends 
Um, Posner first appeared as a producer and guest vocalist on Big Sean's 2007 mixtape, Finally Famous, where he was on a song called Smoke and Drive. And he was like, what, 18? Yeah, because he was in college at the time. I am predisposed to dislike him because he's a white man who went to Duke. Yes, he hit his. (laughs) In 2009, while Posner was attending Duke University, he released his first mixtape, A Matter of Time, which included an early version of the song Cooler Than Me. Which, by the way, that original version featured a verse by Big Sean, which it was bad even Did by Big, Big Sean Sean's standards. Go to Duke? No, they're both from Michigan. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, but they're both from Detroit. Okay, that that's in so Michigan specifically. Detroit. <laughs> I got mixed in my head about which one of those was the state and which was the city. <laughs> I'm dumb. Moving on. Cooler than me would become Posner's first single in 2010. Cooler than me is still Mike Posner's biggest hit as a solo artist. And it seemed for a long time that it would be his only meaningful contribution to pop culture until 2015. Again, is it? When he released a song <laughs> called I Took a Pill in Ibiza. Let me finish my statements, Cassie. <laughs> Let me get my words out and then you can raise your objections. Okay. You See, this is the problem with this. This is why I was able to do this episode because you never heard Cooler Than Me. No. It was a massive song. It was Okay, huge. so it came out in 2010. Do you know when in 2010? I think March, April. May, sometime in late spring. I don't know why I haven't heard it then. Just in time for summer, baby. Because I was going to be like, if it came out in like late 2010, I did spend the beginning of 2011 in a different country. Nope. It was it was so, already happening by then. I don't know. I was just in my little insular liberal arts world, I guess. Not <laughs> listening to Mike Posner. Well, I'm sure it was huge on Duke campus. I'm sure it like was... I know it was huge on Duke campus, but... <laughs> It was also huge on America as a whole. Yeah. Across the land. I'd never heard it. I mean, maybe I heard it and I just didn't know that I heard it, like, played at a party or something. And I. Probably. Just. It's not the sort of thing that really sticks with you. It's not that catchy. Except it's really not. The catchiest part is that little synth break after the chorus. Yeah. It's like, like, we'll get into this, but, like, he's not a very good lyricist. (laughs) Not particularly, no. (laughs) Um, Mike Posner is an interesting figure to me in the pop music industry because even in the six years between his first and second album when he sort of dropped out of the public eye for a while he never stopped working he was writing and producing songs a couple of pretty big hit songs and he actually never really stopped releasing music like he had a single in 2013 that again no one really heard but he was like continuously releasing like any eps and, and singles then too but even though he's been in the public eye for almost a decade now which is scary to think about people almost never think about mike posner and i think that's too bad because the world needs mike posner and kelsey i'm gonna prove it to you the rules for this episode sorry not this episode there's no (laughs) rules there's no rules here it's just right baby uh i it's it's kind of like the kanye episode from a few months ago where i made kelsey a mercifully brief playlist of mike posner's work mercifully Thank God. And we're going to just go through it chronologically and yeah. or in a way that makes sense to me chronologically. And let me say there's a lot less to say about these songs than there was about the Kanye songs. Yes. So I think it'll be faster. <laughs> we're not going to dwell on um, Drug Dealer Girl. Oh, God. The same amount of time we spent on All of the Lights. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm not going to do that to you. Yeah, but the first song was, in fact, a song called Drug Dealer Girl, which was not like a radio single, but was sort of Mike Posner's first big hit from his first mixtape the lyrical conceit gets pretty obvious it's about a girl he has a crush on who is a drug dealer and is 
notable mostly because the video was shot around Duke campus. Even for a video like shot for a mixtape single, like by a white guy who goes to Duke, it's very lame. It's so lame. It's so so lame. It's I cannot really help but bad. feel so bad for it was uncomfortable. the lead actress in the video. I know she doesn't have to really do anything uncomfortable that I remember. She's just sort of walking around. There's a part where she's like stretching in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, especially for someone who I assume went to, went to college with mike i don't know how else he would know this girl i just you know it was probably like an aspiring actress or maybe even a model of some sort you know who got roped into being in this yeah i i I generally feel that way about any woman who's in a video with mike posner at least for the first part of his career this gets this gets a little bit better as time goes on but mike posner's singing voice is i would say his biggest limitation not his biggest limitation (laughs) he doesn't have a ton of range no but i don't think that's totally necessary to be a pop star that's true you have someone like pharrell who is more talented than mike posner in a lot of other ways yeah but similarly has a pretty limited vocal range Mm -hmm. and as long as they stick within a style that works for them like Pharrell's sort of neo soul thing yeah really works with that sort of high-pitched like less talented curtis mayfield voice and mike posner occasionally hits on a style where this his voice kind of works for that because it's sort of you, you can sort of it sort of is a fake version of like a like a silky smooth soul singer voice but i think it's just also sort of that he can't really do anything besides that weird sort of raspy thing he does <laughs> but it's especially pronounced on drug dealer girl which has yeah. uh really nothing going for it as nothing a song at all i wanted to include the note with the playlist that you didn't even really have to finish this one Oh. I mostly just wanted you to see that it's shot on Duke's campus. So setting me up to already hate this person. Yeah. Well, you. I mean, I'm. You know, you gotta be honest. True. I was I couldn't. I couldn't have hid that from you. That's true. Imagine if I didn't tell you he went to Duke and you found out now. Yeah, like on the podcast. Yeah, we'd that have, would be appalled. We'd have to pull the plug on the whole thing. It would be bad. How did you? Did you have any thoughts about this song? It's bad. Okay. What else did I say? I know you also wrote in your notes here. What drug is? purple (laughs) like what is that a like it sounds like it's a euphemism it's a euphemism for weed i'm sorry that i didn't know that i believe like specifically like strains of weed that take on a a purplish hue okay they're that are well coveted for their their dankness moving on (laughs) to another song off of the a matter of time mixtape still not over you featuring oh boy eric holiges holiges Eric Holgis. This is okay. It's like an interesting, an interesting conceit. Yeah, the conceit is is really the only interesting thing about it. It's basically they they flipped the course of over my head, Princey's cable car by the fray, and built an R and B pop song around that. Which I you know I find that just charming and and, and just as an idea for how to, to make a song. And this Eric Holjes guy is the one that sings the chorus, so you don't have to hear Mike Posner do an approximation of the Frey guy's voice. That's nice. Which is, yeah, that's, that was a nice touch yeah. for everyone. I honestly just thought it was the Frey guy. I thought it was like a sample. <laughs> um, it's like, it's interesting, but I didn't think it was good. Like, I think... No. I think, like, that same concept could have been done a lot better with another artist. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's basically like the 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 song version of when someone... That you haven't spoken to in years, like late at night, send you a long message on Facebook, <laughs> but specifically because they're trying to hook up with you. 
that's sort of is this set to music so if that's your thing sure why not so this, you, you finally get your song buddy i think like a lot of the stuff you had me listen to just really establishes what i thought a white guy who went to duke when i was in college is it just it didn't do anything to uh change that image no nope. as it were speaking of which the third song i had you listen to for um bizarrely the first time ever <laughs> was cooler than me yes the song went double platinum in America really? and like platinum in several other countries, multi-platinum in Australia and yeah. Sweden, weirdly enough. <laughs> it, it peaked at number six on the U.S. charts. It was a really big song. It's just so weird to me because I don't really think it's catchy. It's kind of catchy. I, I don't think it's lyrically catchy at all. And it's only sort of like musically catchy. And the conceit is, is would play a lot better if... The person singing it was cooler. Yeah. Because nothing about this song, especially not the video, holy oh, shit, God. gives you the impression that that Mike Posner is cool. This girl who th- thinks he's cooler than him wasn't, in fact, like cooler she, than him. she. If you listen to the song and especially watch the video, you imme- immediately land on her side. Yeah. Which makes it a little bit hard to enjoy the song mm-hmm. if you're thinking, well, yeah, no shit, Mike. <laughs> she is cooler than you. Yeah. She probably went to UNC Chapel Hill. Yeah, burn. That was that was. I, I got to give credit to to Sarah Shepard on that one. That was her observation many years ago that she got a sort of sick joy out of the song from the basis that she believed it was a UNC student that that inspired it. I can't confirm if that's if that's true or not, but it's it's a that's strong my theory. Head now. <laughs> I just don't understand why it caught on because I don't find it catchy at all. Kelsey, it was 2010. It was a different time. It was a different time. Something like this could could be popular. Right. Like super popular. The original version of this song from the mixtape not only had the Big Sean verse, it had a different intro, different beat. It also included like a direct lyrical reference to You're So Vain by Carly Mm -hmm. Simon, which I'm guessing they removed for copyright reasons. Probably. But but also was a little bit on the nose even for, for... what even for Mike Posner? Well, it's like I feel like this this song could have been done well with like a sample from Carly Simon. Like if you d- produced it right, like it could have been fun. If you leaned into it. If you leaned into it. Yeah. But they didn't. <laughs> I think even that's a problem because also like the le- reference in the original version just makes you think about Your So Vain and what a good song that is. Your So Vain's a fucking great song. That's a great song. And that song's about Warren Beatty, like yeah. one of the just image wise, like one of the coolest dudes ever. Yeah. And you're still like, yeah, fuck that dude. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you mess yeah. with Carly Simon? Like he's st- like you know he's a cool dude, but like you're on her side. Yeah. And Whereas this, this guy, you are not on And this song side. is about, like, I don't even know who this person could possibly be, but I'm still like... Uh, she probably uh, is. What, 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 what does she have to say about all this? <laughs> what about her song is about? I will say, I like this. This is, like, one of the few Mike Posner lyrics that I enjoy before we get to his 2015 comeback. But I like the part in the chorus where he says, I've used up all my tricks. Yeah. Because I just like any song that acknowledges that people... You, 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 do, you do use tricks to get people to like you more. If you want them to like you, mm-hmm. like that's not wrong, and I'm not going to try to apply some deeper meaning to that than is necessary. I'm just saying, like, it's true, and it's, I'm glad that someone acknowledged it, even if it was Mike Posner. It is true. At his least likable. <laughs> Moving on. It's not his least likable. That's his, true. His <laughs> least likable is definitely the next song. Uh, no, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. <laughs> We're still a couple away, but we'll uh, we will definitely get there. 
The next song is Please Don't Go. This was okay. Which was his follow-up to Cooler Than Me, produced by, yes, uh, co-produced by Benny Blanco. People as a whole seem to find it less catchy than Cooler Than Me because it, it did not like, it didn't do terribly, but it, it did worse than, than the first song did. But it's much more likable. Like, it's it's pretty standard, like, love song material. It, but it's, he sells it pretty well. And, it, the, and the version of Mike Posner in this song is not unlikable. I think it's honestly the same amount of catchy. <laughs> and it's it's a lot less douchey. <laughs> so, you know. I, I want to point out there is, I think, because the concept of the song is similar to, and I think there's a reference in the lyrics to the song Save Tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry. That's a good song. That's a great song. Again, that makes you think, <laughs> boy, that's a good song. I wish I was listening to that instead of this song. Uh, that one might be my imagination, but I don't really think so. Mike Posner is- He's the right age. He's the right age, like <laughs> like me, to have been obsessed with that song when it came out. It's a fucking good song. That was the first CD I ever bought. Eagle Eye Cherry? Yeah. Really? Next yeah. song oh God. is Deja Vu featuring Boys to Men. Who Is it? <laughs> yes. Is it featuring Boys to Men? Technically. Because it doesn't sound like it. Listen, I have I have mapped out like to the second when they enter the song when they leave it. Yeah. They're in the first twenty two seconds. And the last and they, twenty-two seconds? They pop up, they're in the chorus too. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, you, you really, you really dig for them too, because on the album that this is this from, the thirty-one minutes to take off, there's so little, like, <laughs> it's it's just Mike Posner's voice uninterrupted, like f- for the entire album until this point. So when they show up, it's like, yes, please, finally, wait, no, let me, let me, oh yes, yes, sweet sounds of harmony and <laughs> and and soulful voices, please. Uh, Boys to Men, even in 2010, deserve much better than Mike Posner. Oh God, yes. That said, this is probably his best song from that album i have um a real soft spot for it and i can't fully explain it but i like a lot of things about it i like boys to men's part on it i Th- think they are severely underutilized yes but even in the brief moments they appear in the song they really lift him up mike poser needs a, like a, a group of like much cooler much more talented singers behind him at all times i will say teddy riley the like R&B producer did apparently like co-write and co-produce this song. So that might have something to do with it. Cause Teddy Riley is the kind of guy who would, who would include the, um, was that little, like there's a little talk box, like backup vocal on the second verse. There's stuff like that. I don't know. And it's again, it's a lyrical concept that like, unlike a lot of the stuff on this first album is not douchey or annoying. Yeah. Uh, it, it seems to be about the same girl that he sang about in Still Not Over You, which is weird. Because Still Not Over You is about, like, again, like, reconnecting with, a, like, a very, very old flame. And this also seems to be about, like, getting back together with a girl you knew when you were very, very young. And I just, I mean, I'm like, who is this? Like, this is the one, like, uh, well, one of the only threads from Mike Posner's personal life where I just sit back and think, who could this be? Who could this mystery woman be? Is she real or is she simply a poetic conceit that he uses to explore ideas of nostalgia and longing? And this is why I am the preeminent Mike Posner scholar on the Eastern Seaport. Um, I don't know, but he should dig into that more because he's less douchey when he's saying about the poetic conceit or the girl. <laughs> yeah, he has a song in this album called Cheated where the chorus is, I should have cheated on you. God. 
I, right? You just, you just want to bury your face in your hands. Wonder, like, how did this person come to be? Why? Uh, moving on. I'll, we'll, we'll, let's keep it brisk. Okay. Kelsey, I can feel your... I'm waning. Your sympathy's waning. I'm waning. <laughs> the next song is Synthesizer. Oh, God. A.K.A. Synthesize Her? Mm? This song is catchy, but makes me uncomfortable. It's very low-key and mellow, unlike a lot of songs in the album. I find it weirdly affecting. I mean, it doesn't feel weird to me, but I like the idea that I could like feel any sort of emotion from a Mike Posner song seems kind of weird at this point <laughs> in his career. But there's something about the lyrics are sort of sort of chastising someone in the like in the second person for trying to be more than they are and reaching sort of above their station and beyond their abilities as a person or as an artist, maybe. And I just get the feeling that Mike Posner is talking about himself and his own failures and his own lack of uh, ability and his own insecurities in a way that's sort of just buried and coded enough to 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 not really read that way on first glance. And then he comes out with his song from 2015. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> but something about like this guy who is famous for the the douchiest song possible, like on his first album, being like, uh, maybe maybe I ain't shit after all. Is that's very affecting to me, but you raise an interesting point about the chorus. It just makes me so like the the sort of synthesizer synthesize her like the phrase synthesize her makes me so uncomfortable. Why is that? I don't know the dehumanization of women, possibly, or you know, saying that we should be synthesized. Uh. What does that mean? Well, he doesn't want you to do it. He's against it. He's against it. Yeah, of course, I don't know how it connects with the rest of the song, the song either. Yeah. But the song heavily features a synthesizer, so maybe he just wanted to build a chorus around that very, very bad pun. It's a very bad pun. And it doesn't even make sense in the context of the song. Nope. Also, more trivia. This is real. The name of this album, 31 Minutes to Take Off. The song happens towards the end of the album. Exactly 31 minutes into the album's runtime, you hear a plane taking off. So, you know, that's, that's artistry. Artistry, man. That's artistry, <laughs> baby. Oh, man. Kendrick Lamar, step aside. Best new music on pitchfork.com for that oh. artistry. And the next song is called Delta 1406, which is a flight from LAX to Raleigh, North Carolina. What? What? Shout out NC, representing the, the Dirty Dirty. Triangle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and also the last few songs in the album after this one, too, have a streak of sort of self-loathing and self-doubt in trying to make it in L.A. and being a singer. And it's really prescient, I'll say. So here's what I can't figure out. Mm -hmm. I hadn't heard any of the songs on this list. I know we're not done yet. Well, I had heard one of the songs on this list. Is that um, the one coming up next? Yeah. Because okay, okay. <laughs> you couldn't not. <laughs> um... And I'm trying to figure out if that song is why I know Mike Posner's name, but I don't know that it is. Why do I know Mike Posner's name? Why have I heard of him? He just really left his mark on the world, you know? It's one of those names you see. It's just so... It catches in your head. It's got such a ring to it. Mike Posner. anything else that I, like, would have heard? Nothing that he would have been, like, well-known for producing. Hmm. Speaking of which... I'm going a little bit out of order here, but I'm trying to sort of 
make a point and sort of weave this tale in a way that I think is is makes the most sense. So I want to jump now to the time between Mike Posner's like first album and his second album. It was sort like of six years. It's like yeah, it's like six years where he time. wasn't really yeah, you know, like I said, he was still making music, but he wasn't really known for that. He was sort of behind the scenes co-writing and co-producing songs for more famous artists. And so for that reason, for the seventh song on this playlist, I picked Boyfriend by Justin Bieber. So you don't like this song, it sounds like. I don't. And like, I don't like Justin Bieber for other reasons. No. But like, I think he has catchier songs. Like, I think this is one of his worst, like, hits. (laughs) And you didn't like it when it came out? No. That's weird to me. I mean, I I get it because, again, Justin Bieber is not a likable person. When did it come out? It came out in 2012. No. My 2012 was entirely consumed with Call Me Maybe as far as pop music. That was the only song you you heard in that year? I mean, no, but (laughs) you know what I mean. I know what you mean. (laughs) Call Me Maybe does sort of cast a shadow over the rest of the year in pop music. Yes. (laughs) It was was the, the eclipse that year the total eclipse eclipsed, of the pop it was the total eclipse of the pop hey that's not bad save that for something write that down write that down that that's we're gonna do something with that that's our our new music podcast total <laughs> eclipse of the pop it's about if we every it's about every, the song of the summer every 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 episode we, we take an artist or a popular song whatever from a different year and we explain why there is a carly ray jepsen song that that's is similar, better than it but better than that <laughs> I feel like the name has to be better. That's more Carly Rae focused, though. So Carly Rae. Okay, so no, we're gonna get this name. We're gonna get this name down right now. Okay. okay. So everyone just just hold hold tight okay. for a second. We'll figure but this out. But total clips of the pop should be something. It should be something, right? It should be something. Okay. Okay. Let's, let me just run through it real quick. Uh, all of Carly Rae's albums. Um. No, that's not it. Okay. Next one. <laughs> well, we could call it tug of war if we were like arguing about anything but oh, we're gonna yeah. be in total agreement the entire time it goes by yeah i'm just i'm sorry i know this is i know this is bad <laughs> audio but i'm just sort of i'm so mad that i can't think of the title for this podcast right okay you know we'll, we'll, we'll put this aside for now we'll just stew on it for the rest of the episode we have, we have a whole spreadsheet for our potential podcasts okay so we'll, okay we'll, we'll get back to total cups of the pop is something though it is i feel like it might be where we dissect what the song of the summer is is we so, we decide what the song of the summer so, was for every year. <laughs> oh, I thought okay, I, I thought it was like a yearly podcast. Yeah, where once a year we crown we just, the song of the summer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's probably good. Maybe twice a year because there's two eclipses in a year, right? No. Are eclipses are eclipses a yearly thing? No. Are eclipses a yearly thing? I guess no. Solstices are a yearly thing that I'm thinking about. Oh, Kelsey. I know. That's too bad. Wait, no. We talk about a different Carly Rae Jepsen song every time there's an eclipse. (laughs) (laughs) And it only comes out on days there's eclipses. Just getting a little conceptual. (laughs) I don't know if people are going to follow the name to the concept that that quickly. (laughs) Um, Were we talking about Justin Bieber's boyfriend? Yeah. I don't know, man. I think this song is pretty good. And I think you got got to hear it as as we heard it back then. I say we, I guess, not including you, but the rest of us, the rest of the world. And I did hear it. Like this was Justin Bieber's first like post Teeny Bopper song. Basically, this was his first song as like an adult artist, and it has that. It sounded like a throwback to like Justified Era Justin Timberlake at the time. I get that. I get that reference. I just didn't like it. 
I get that too. But like people were like, a, a lot of people I saw when the song came out were like, you know what? I think I like this song. Like people were like shocked by it. I think they were as C.S. Lewis once said, surprised by joy. So Mike Mike Posner wrote this song. He co-wrote it because I feel like it justified era Justin Timberlake has much more lyrical maturity than this song has in any way. Do you think so? I don't know. I haven't. I can't remember which album Justified is. Do you remember the lyrics to Senorita? How about oh. Rock Your Body? I don't know. I don't know, man. I just don't like the song. I will say Senorita has like maybe one of the all-time like best pop moments where Justin Timberlake says, "Fellas, good night. Ladies, good morning." Good morning. <laughs> ah, I know we all hate Justin Timberlake now, but that's that's dope. That's a, that's a good album. Yeah, he does need to figure his shit out. Yeah, yeah. He's going through a, a tough time right now. Well, no, he's not. He's married to Jessica Biel. He's got a kid. Yeah. He's rich. He's doing great. No, I mean, like, he needs to, like, I don't know. People are criticizing him, right? People don't like him, right? People, people, all of a sudden, everyone is very anti-Justin Timberlake. And I get his new album's not that good. He needs people... to check his privilege, I think, is what oh. people are saying. Oh, well, that's, you know, you could say that about anyone, though. It's true. That's just an excuse for not liking someone. I mean, it's a reason to not like someone, but you know what I mean, right? I mean, that's what the whole song Say Something is about. But him not checking his privilege? Basically, yeah. Have you listened to it, like, really in depth? <laughs> yeah, once I realized people was, like, people were upset at him for, like, not being more vocally progressive, I guess. Yeah. That that song does scan is kind of like, you know what? Maybe the most powerful statement of all is no statement. Mm-hmm. Thanks. I really like that song. I know, man. That's, that's, that's how he does it. <laughs> But whatever, like we shouldn't be looking to Justin Timberlake to like, to, like lead the revolution. Yeah, I, I get that he did a movie with Woody Allen, like that's bad. But lots of people did that though. Yeah, a lots lot of people are still doing it. We oh. should cancel Woody Allen. Woody Allen is canceled. He should be canceled. Woody Allen is, in a word, not swaggy. <laughs> Next song. We'll, we'll spend a few seconds on this one. This one is Austin Mahone with "Say Something." Yeah, that I, that was not the say something I was talking about a second ago. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's kind of confusing, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, I only have one word. Is it swaggy? It's nope. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I hated this so much. That's fine. Austin Mahone, for those who aren't familiar with him, is a Justin Bieber clone, basically, whose career has never taken off. Is he still around? Yeah, he released he released actually his first full length album last year. He released a lot of EPs and mixtapes like in the la- like before that happened. Yeah. And the real reason I know Austin Mahone is is because he'd done this song and then he did a song with Flo Rida and a song with Pitbull. And once you do a song with either of those That's two people. That's why I've heard his name because you guys talked about him on the 40 out. He did a song with Pitbull <laughs> called Mm-mm, Yeah, Yeah. Oh, God. A song like like designed to, to trigger misophonia just from the title <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> oh, oh like spiders crawling down my back this uh i mean i, I there's nothing i can't defend the song it's not something. even like good boy band music i think it is i think it's catchy and like i don't even think the thing is like i, I think don't, it's dumb in a harmless way it's dumb and i i just like for me like none of these songs that are supposedly really catchy have seemed catchy and that's really frustrating, I guess. This is from a woman who once told me that Body Like a Back Road was catchy. It is catchy. 
it's no more catchy than any of these dumb it's songs. It's stupid, but it's catchy. Uh, I don't think it's so. It's probably equally as catchy as this song. I don't think Cooler Than Me was catchy, though. I'm just baffled that that song got as big as it did because it's not good. In fairness, like, I, <laughs> me too. Like, I am so, in hindsight, the fact that Cooler Than Me was as big as it was is strange. But that happens in pop music. Yeah. Um. I mean, I guess, like, this and Boyfriend are... are are the catchier songs on on this whole playlist, I think. Um, but I'm just not into it. That's fair. I think part of it for me is that it, this, this this sort of a throwback to, you know, 2012, a much simpler time where, like, the chorus of a pop song was the catchy part. Yeah. Whereas now, like, their choruses are really not that much of a thing on pop radio anymore. The catchy part is, like, the little musical blip after the chorus. What is... The chorus is always like the build-up, the pre-chorus, and there's always like an instrumental, like this, the sort of the effect of the Calvin Harris had on pop music, where the lyrics sort of build up and then the actual I feel like beat I is like the breakdown. I feel like I don't listen to enough pop music to. Well, think about the idea of like the drop in in dubstep songs. Yeah, that has basically been applied to all of pop music now, to where the musical motif that runs through the chorus takes the place of like a catchy lyrical like block of lyrics that make up a chorus i would just say like even like a dumb empty-headed song like this like say something by austin mahone mm-hmm. like is like lyrically dense compared to the choruses and hooks we have now yeah and that's charming to me i don't know well and the chorus in in all of these songs i think are just like a lot of them are just repeating the title of the song that's what a chorus is man i mean yeah sure next track okay labyrinth beneath your beautiful Featuring Emily Sande. Emily Sande. The song was really big in Britain. It was reasonably big here, mm-hmm. but it was a lot bigger over there. Emily Sande is British, right? I believe so. I think they're both British. I I've don't know for sure. I've heard her name before. She's a little bit more popular over here than he is. Who? Labyrinth. Oh, that's a person? Labyrinth is the male singer okay. in the song. Okay. <laughs> the song, unlike um, basically everything else on this list, is like a nice like it's like a nice song yeah. it's like two kind of like more soulful talented singers than mike posner and i think you can feel still his hand at work in the writing of the song yeah the chorus i, I can't really verbalize this but just the chord progression sounds like a thing he would write and the entire conceit of like you know i i want to see the real you beneath the the front you put on for society is like it's, it's, like, it's like the same conceit as cooler than you yeah or cooler than me yeah but it's like in a, in a nice romantic way instead of like an annoying douchey way i almost think the the singer's voices are too rich for the sort of i don't want to say the vapidity or like i just don't feel like the lyrics are that deep <laughs> like they're very like cliche and i feel like both of the singers have a lot more like richness in their in their voices to that don't really lend themselves like i think it should be more poppy does that make sense? Yes. The the, <laughs> the the way they sing it and also the orchestration is very... It, it, it's it's make, very, it's like, make, musically mature, and the lyrics don't fit with that. It's making a bid for, like, like a, like a high-class adult contemporary song. It should be, like, a Liam Payne and B.B. Rexa or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's very simplistic, but I still think it's kind of a nice song. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's, 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 it's pleasant to listen to, which is... Uh, does not fit with a lot of the songs. I got list. through it all the way twice, which is I can't say about some of the others. <laughs> so, 
now we've sort of spent a little bit of time on, on what Mike Posner can do when he works with other artists. Mm-hmm. So, so we're going to jump back like about a year a little bit now. It's, we're, it's a little bit out of order chronologically. But after his um, follow-up to Please Don't Go called Bow Chicka Wow Wow. Sure. Uh, failed to chart. It did charted a little bit, but not really. Um, and I did not give you a link to this song. The song is so terrible. I think you would probably refuse to do the episode if you heard it. I mean, this song almost made me refuse to do the episode. Yes, but he after <laughs> after Bow Chicka Wow Wow failed, he Mike Posner was took a few months off and came back with a new single that was meant to be the first song off of his new album, and it was called "Looks Like Sex." It's gross. It fucking sucks. Fucking yikes, man. Fucking yikes. And the video is like super like blurred lines esque. And it, it's just super uncomfortable and just like women's bodies in weird positions with weird clothes on. I know whenever I'm like find mm-hmm. myself again feeling sorry for the women who are involved in a, in a music video. If I'm like that focused on like, oh, well, they I feel bad they got roped into doing this, though. Yeah. That's a bad song. Right. That's a bad, bad song. And this song is fucking bad. It's real bad. It's it's about sex. Is it? Sort of. It's, it's theoretically about like a, an attractive woman that he meets somewhere and wants to have sex with. Yeah, but it, it's, but she, she looks like sex. It, oh man, it really puts you off the entire idea of sex, too. It's really upsetting. It makes the whole idea of sex, especially like sex with a man, sound really just like not worth the trouble in any way. Yeah. And I, um, there's not much to say about it. <laughs> it probably goes without saying, but this song bombed as a single. I didn't, bet. Didn't chart at all in America. Nice. The only place it charted Good job, was America, actually, for once. <laughs> it charted in Belgium, where it peaked at number 52 on the charts. To that I say, what the hell is going on in Belgium <laughs> that this song was number 52? Anything. Did they only have 52 songs that year? One in the whole country? <laughs> one per week? Oh, yeah. This they thing get a is, new song every week. I remember, I remember when this came out, I was, that's when I was like at my peak like fascination with Mike Posner. What I was year like, was it, sorry? this is this is the later in 2011. Okay, it's like December 2011. I was like home. I just graduated college, and I, I saw, oh, Mike Posner got a new song out. Let's check it out. And just my 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 soul just left my body. Whew. Whew. Okay. What a oh man. I, and like just like you you cannot watch this video and just and and not think like like you don't just feel bad for the women that they had to be in these like you know objectifying and like degrading positions as like models and actresses, but that they had to be in the same room with Mike Posner. (laughs) I don't mean anything untoward about him as a person. Just like he's never, ever been cool. And he's never, ever sold the idea of him being a pop singer or like a star of any sort. So he's like, just like a normal dude from Duke, like a, a guy from Detroit who graduated from Duke university and is like now in the room with all these, 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 these models it just feels so artificial like more so than it actually is yeah like i mean it's always artificial but you know if, if a person is a big enough star you maybe you don't notice how weird and, and stupid it is yeah but with mike posner it's just like wow these these women thought they were going to be in a video with like a real singer but they had to hang out all day with mike posner Aww. can we go yeah let's go on <laughs> Um, and that was basically it for like five years. Again, he was, you know, doing all, all that songwriting and producing in between that time, but you know, basically no one heard from him. Um, until, until, well, I actually want to take a second to mention this, which is that aside from the songs that I put in the list for you to listen to, mm-hmm. Mike Posner also co-wrote the Maroon 5 song Sugar, which features the, 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 the oh, the wonderful chorus, 
sugar, yes, please. Come and put it down on me. Okay. Again, apologies to all of our female listeners. Um, But I think Maroon 5 and Mike Posner is a perfect pairing of songwriter and band because Maroon 5, to my thinking, are the ultimate example of a band that exists not as like a group of artists or people making music because they want to make it, but as like a team of people producing content to fill time on iHeartMedia radio stations and license out to shoe commercials. Because like in, in the music industry and in our society in general, there's a constant need for this kind of product. Like this, like a song as a product. And that need is totally divorced from the idea of art. And like all media is like this to some extent, like the relation between art and and commerce is a whole thing that I can't really tackle right now. But like songs and pop music especially are a little different, right? Because, you know, pop songs are used to sell other products as well as, as being products of themselves. Like you never, you wouldn't use like a spoken word piece or like a novel or a play to sell a pair of shoes. No. Although, you know, the spoken word thing, I think Apple is getting there with some of their new ads, but. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Uh, but you, you, you see what I'm saying, kind mm-hmm. of. And that's why the world needs Mike Posner, Kelsey. To write shoe commercial music. To write songs to sell shoes. He, yeah. he He's the perfect example of, of the kind of person that the music industry views as a totally disposable producer of just sounds. Like just, just noise to fill space. He, he produces the grist that powers the faceless corporate mechanism of pop music. I he buy is, that. He is the grist. What's a grist? It's like, a, it's like fodder. Okay. He's like a product. But... The like the inherent contradiction of Mike Posner is that he's not happy just being in the background, like tinkering with, you know, songs and like changing the chords and like trying to fit the whatever the algorithm says is going to sell pop songs this week. He wants to be an actual performer. Like he's an artist. He's someone with something to say. And you may think he's a bad artist. (laughs) You may think he doesn't have anything to say. But he's still like he is trying to produce work that has meaning at least to him. Sure. He's not like a Max Martin or a, God forbid, Dr. Luke type character, sort of lurking in the shadows as like a Frankenstein-esque creator of, of monstrosities. He's a guy from Detroit who writes poetry about his mom. <laughs> and, and, and that part of Mike Posner, I think, is, is what he tried to draw on for his second album, and in particular, the single brought him back to national attention and that song is called i took a pill in ibiza i'm picking up what you're putting down with that whole uh theory about how pop music needs mike posner i need to to take a break yeah that was a big speech need a glass of water congratulations and this song is by far the catchiest of the ones on this list both musically and lyrically (laughs) But I'm glad you at least liked this song. I did. I did like this song. It's very catchy. Because I would not have proposed we do an episode about Mike Posner if he, did not, he had not released this song. Okay. Which is the rare... First of all, it's rare that a one-hit wonder... Like he, Mike Posner defines the one-hit wonder, right? And part of the reason I wanted to do this episode is because I am fascinated by sort of exploring like what happens to that kind of person once they've had their moment in, yeah. in, in the sun. And you can see he, they make songs like Looks Like Sex. Mm. And they co-write a maroon five song but he actually like wrote a song like a pop song about being a one-hit wonder yeah and how it 
kind of like has made him super unhappy and hasn't done anything for him as a person. It just made his life harder, harder to live. It's very honest, the song, and it feels sort of like regretful. Like it makes him seem like a person who is now 30 and regrets being a fucking douchebag at Duke. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but think about it. He writes a song about how he's like, he gets along better with like old men whose time has already passed them by yeah. than with like young people because he's already a has-been. And he wrote the song when he was 28 years old. Yeah. The song also came out in like, I mean, it came out in, I think, July 2015, mm-hmm. but I didn't hear it until like much later that same year mm-hmm. or maybe early 2016 even. And that was a period where I personally was going through sort of a hard time uh, mentally and emotionally particularly. And I sort of also felt like, you know, the one shot I maybe had had to do something like good or worthwhile had maybe passed me by, which I don't feel that way anymore. But I definitely, you know, I obviously I've never had a, like a hit song on, on the radio or anything like that or yeah. anything near that level of, of anything. But it's a, you know, it's, it's sort of a unique thing to feel like that down on yourself in that particular way when you are that young that the song really taps into, I think. And it's just, you know, it also just says like the goal for so many people is like this version of success where you can where you just have a lot of money and you can buy stuff. And you know, money's great. A lot of people could do with a lot more of it. But just having it doesn't really past a certain point doesn't solve anything right and might just make it harder for you to relate with other people yeah and it's fun to hear a song like that you can also like dance to yeah the i included this is technically the the seeb remix of i took a pill in ibiza the original is is an acoustic guitar song it's got the same lyrics it's got more lyrics actually but it's just not as good because the fact that it is like such an up-tempo like dancey pop song just highlights how empty and sad the lyrics are so i personally treat this as the canonical version of the song it's um i i liked it it was good i don't really have that many thoughts like i i like the sort of redemption arc (laughs) (laughs) but also i feel kind of bad for him i feel kind of sort of the way i felt about bo burnham and that like i'm kind of worried about him (laughs) and like he clearly like had this sort of same moment where he's like wow i did some douchey shit when i was young and now I have to live with the consequences of that. It's the music version of Bo Burnham's com- comedy. Um, That's actually very true because Bo Burnham like sort of got famous off of sort of like, you know, like, ooh, like controversial, like non-PC, yeah. like asshole comedy. Yeah. And Mike Posner got famous off of the pop music version of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now they're both kind of like deeply depressed <laughs> and figuring out how to move on from that. I will say, if you listen to the music Mike Posner has released since this song came out, his second album, At Night Alone, I think it's called, is, I've listened to most of it. It's a lot of it's along these same lines. It's a little, it's a little generic, you know, it's still like, it's still the same guy writing it, so it's got the same flaws, but he's definitely is making an attempt to, you know, make music that's not douchey, that has like, a, like, it's enjoyable to listen to, I guess, is a weird way to put it, but it's also true, like, it's got a lot more interesting like instrumentation behind it and it's about like you know themes about you know he's he's attempting to tackle like universal themes about life but he also is very much back on his bullshit 
because he has a, a, a album he released with the rapper Black Bear. The two of them have a, have a duo, like two person project called Mansions with a Z. You know, none of that music is as, is as douchey as looks like sex, but it's all, you know, he, Mike Posner has a song where he raps on the song called Dennis Rodman. With a, do you know Black Bear at all, Kelsey? Nope. He's sort of like a perpetually like just so like terminally embarrassing white rapper. So the two of them together on a song called Dennis Rodman, you can kind of imagine what that sounds like. That doesn't sound good. No, it's not good. I don't have much more to say about, about Mike Posner. I will say uh, I did mention we would touch on this. Uh, he did release a book of poetry last year. And then this past, like last month, this dude released a spoken word poetry album. Wow. Uh, I, I the story behind it is actually kind of cool because he went on tour with this band that he put together called like some dumb name like the legendary Mike Posner band but like whatever <laughs> but like he apparently like put together a team of like really like talented musicians to back him up interesting yeah and he he would he was so impressed by what they would do on stage every night like someone would like do a, like a, a riff or a solo he would be like so like blown away by it he'd be like man I wish I as a songwriter could do a similar thing. Which is something I relate to too, because like I also I also write things that aren't music, and I really envy like people who work in music the way they can make a thing that's so sort of immediately accessible and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So Mike Posner started this thing where every every time they went when they were on tour, every night they were in a new city, he would go back to his like dressing room or just like somewhere time during the day he would write a poem, and then somewhere somewhere during the show he would he would like perform that poem with like backup from his band. Huh. Now I've listened to some of them. The poems are kind of what you'd expect. Yeah. There's a lot of A, B, simple rhyming scheme, and they're, like, not super profound. But I will say, listen to one of them, like, with his band, like, playing sort of, you know, just background chords behind him and, like, his delivery. It's maybe, like, better than most of his songs. <laughs> Again, it's, it's corny as hell, but I don't know. It's, it's the sound of it is among the least embarrassing things he's actually done good to know so uh, that sort of is also part of my belief that he again is is, he's trying to make something worthwhile he's he doesn't he's not the best at it and i would i would never argue that he's the best lyricist or the best writer in any sense but he is he's trying here's my takeaway mike posner is not untalented but I feel like could have done really well, like going to music school or something <laughs> like he needs refining. And I think he's maybe getting that in that five years he took off or whatever. And I took a bill and a piece. It's a good song. It's catchy. It might be a uh, part of it might be that he became famous before he'd fully developed as an artist. Yeah. Which is a, a similar thing that happened to a little band that I know called the chain smokers oh god so join us next episode <laughs> we'll be talking all about the chain smokers here on jason the 40 edwards. ounce you can go to jasonedwards.com.com to read all about jason's views on the chain smokers yes if that is the thing you want to hear you can visit my my blog again jasonedwards.com spelled out and then dot com once a week every week that was fun did i did i make my did i get my point across I think so. I think I, you did. I'm never going to sell you on the importance of Mike Posner, but I hope I at least made an impression. I think he still has time, you know. <laughs> I hope so. Maybe, maybe he'll do. Maybe he'll do something cool. Unless we all like die tomorrow. Ooh. I will say though, if an asteroid hits the Earth tomorrow, 
at least we can take some comfort in knowing that all trace of the song looks like sex will be gone will be wiped from existence yeah and i never have to think about austin mahone again ah life is made up of small blessings indeed special thanks to danny about of the weeping willards for use of their song outside in the rain as our theme song from their album the weeping willards available now on bandcamp and special thanks to carly sussman who designed our logo um you can find her work at carly-rose.com if you're thinking about it you should uh rate and review us on the itunes or whatever you're using to stream us please tell tell your friends tell a friend find an episode that you think would not upset them and like let her rip let her rip. Let her rip. My mom just texted us that our American Ninja Warrior episode is really great. So, hey, there we go. See, the, Julie Julie likes that episode. Julie Try that Goldman one out. That and that's a gateway episode to a whole other podcast. Yeah, to the podcast Andrew Ninja Warrior. Yeah. Starring our dear friends, Sarah Shepard and Andrew Favaloro. Indeed. Uh, you should also listen to that podcast because it's very, very good. It's very good. It's, it's shorter than ours. It's shorter than ours. It's, <laughs> there's a, you know, there's an end point. There's a goal they're working towards. Yeah, though, and yeah, there's an end point to it. That's important. <laughs> I would say we have an end point too. At some point. Which yeah. is the point where we like f- completely like run out of stuff. Fuse into one individual <laughs> where we share a single brain. It's not a defined end point though. No, but it's, it's sort of like a, 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 you know, sort of a general goal. Yeah. So it's a little vague, a little, you know, abstract. But we're headed towards it eventually. Yes. It's like a two-person singularity. (laughs) I I really hate that we didn't get this Carly Rae Jepsen thing nailed down. Oh. Mm. Nope, it's just not there yet. When when we we figure it out, um, we'll let you know. Until then, Total Eclipse of the Pop seems like a pretty good podcast. Once every other week, we decide what the song of the summer was for a certain year. Yeah. Max Fun hit us up, I guess. <laughs> Song of uh, Summer. Unless Netflix wants to start making podcasts, we can get on that too. Yeah, we didn't do our obligatory Netflix pitch. Yeah, but, but we can pitch the Max Max Fun every yeah, other week too. Every other week. Yeah, it's so someone or like Earwolf, I guess. Yeah. Earwolf. And I feel like all the podcast networks have different vibes, you know? Earwolf's very LA. Yeah. I'll say that. So maybe that's not the best fit maybe for that's us. That's not where we are. Maybe Panoply. Panoply. Panoply's New York based. Pan- hey, hey, Panoply hit us up. I applied for a job there. <laughs> they did oh, yeah. not call me. As podcast host? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. Well, you're missing out, Panoply. Kelsey Goldman's the best in the biz. Anyway, thanks for listening. And, and to all you and yours, happy, happy holidays. holidays. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up. Can't let them get to me. And even though I always fuck my life up, only I can mention me. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up, can't let them get to me. And even though I always fuck my life up, only I can mention me. Only I can mention me. I can mention me. Oh, here's a little trivia. You know, in Belgium, Mike Posner's name is pronounced as Demisterbacher. Fall <laughs> <All> back. <laughs> <laughs>